Hello, welcome to this week's economy. I'm your host, Dr. Vance Gann. I hope you're having a prosperous day. Well, today is September 7th, 2023, and I have a lot to talk about today, so I hope you're ready. Remember, you can go and find this podcast wherever you get your podcast, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever it's at. I'm also posting these on X, the full episodes, on those um, each time they come out. So be sure to check me out on X, formerly known as Twitter, right? But check me out on there at Advanced Gin. You'll be able to find that there. You can also find all my show notes at advancedgin.substack.com. So on Substack, and you can find a lot of my other work on my website, www.advancedgin.com. So be sure to check those out. You know, like these, um, share them with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe. That helps me out a lot in getting this message out there as I'm trying to meet, reach the masses. It takes a while to get things going, but I feel like we're really making a lot of good progress here to talk about. And so I really appreciate the feedback and all the sharing that you're doing. All right, so let's get right into it. The previous Let People Prosper episode from this week was with Hannah Cox. We had a great discussion about antitrust, monopolies, whether they exist or not, her time working with Taylor Swift, and, and a number of other key things that I think you'll really enjoy our conversation. I know I did, so please check that out. The bonus episode, which I'm doing these on Wednesdays whenever I have them available. And on this Wednesday, we had uh, a bonus episode with the immigration guy, Kyle Farmer. We talked a lot about immigration, trade, antitrust, the roles of government, and how ultimately we need to get government out of the way, right, out of so many of these issues. And so don't miss that one as well on the podcast. Um, and then this upcoming Monday, the Let People Prosper episode will be with Brian Blaze. Dr. Brian Blaze, he is the president of Paragon Health Institute. He does a lot of work on health industry. He worked in the Trump White House for a little bit while I was there, and he just has a great mind when it comes to healthcare policy. So don't miss that one as we're going to break down what's going on in healthcare and everything else. Speaking of healthcare, let's get right into it, all right? With the national economy information that's going on right now, a couple of key articles that I was looking at recently, and of course, I'll put all this in the show notes page, was on how prices are continuing to increase. We've heard a lot about the disinflation that's been happening from inflationary inflation rates going from 9% down to closer to 3, 3.5% from the headline. A lot of the cores have exclude food and energy, although, of course, we all buy food and energy. But if you exclude those to look at where the underlying inflationary pressures are, you still have it closer to 5%. So there's still a lot of work that needs to be done there. But specific prices are also increasing that do influence our daily lives. One of the big ones has been, is health insurance. So there is a, um, a, a Good, a good article in the Wall Street Journal titled Health Insurance Costs Are Taking Biggest Jumps in Years. And that was out today, September 7, 2023. It says health insurance costs are climbing at the steepest rate in years, walloping businesses and their workers. Costs for employer coverage are expected to surge around 6.5% for 2024, according to major benefits consulting firms Mercer and Willis Towers Watson, which provided their survey results. They, so that also shows that the average is already around $14,600 a year per employee for the employer plans right, that are out there. And this 6.4% projected increase in 2024 would be the highest since 2012 of 6.8%. You know, I thought Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, right, was going to help you know change all of this. And that's not really what we see. When government gets influ influences the market more, we actually see more distortions, more rationing, other things that have taken place. We've seen fewer types of plans available on the market, like the catastrophic plans and things of that nature, especially good for younger people without kids and things, you know, that thing that basically those are not available anymore because of the policies that have been put in place over time, especially by Obamacare. And so we're going to take another hit when it comes to health insurance and what the costs are going to be. You know, it does say that for several years, health coverage costs nationally increased relatively slowly, partly because of the pandemic chilled doctor and hospital visits. Yeah, they shut things down. Yet hospitals have had to hike wages for nurses and pay more for other expenses. So there's all these, these different costs that are going on that have supposedly increased the cost that they're now going to be passing on to us. And, you know, what I really think we need to do with healthcare, and this is why you should listen to the Brian Blaze episode coming up on Monday, is 
that we need a more free market approach. We need to get government out of the way and let people be able to decide what's going to be best for them, for to have more doctor and patient relationships versus more fewer of the doctor and insurance or middlemen uh, relationships that seems to happen too often. So some things going on there. I also wanted to talk though about oil, right? So oil prices have been going up here recently. There was a big announcement this week on September 5th. Russian and Saudi oil production cuts flash warning on Chinese economy. This is the Wall Street Journal article which says extension of supply cuts lifts crude oil prices, bonds, stock indexes retreat. And so this is another area where you have large oil producing countries, two of the world's largest crude exporters. You know, they really said, look, we're going to continue to curtail our output, not put as much supply in the global economy because remember oil's price in dollars. And so what we would expect then is for oil prices to go up, which they did. You know, oil went up to the debt West Texas Intermediate to 86.69 that day. The Brent price has been closer to $90. So we've seen these start to tick up. And, and you know, there's some uh, other information that's out there, though, at least in this article, is that you also have the Chinese economy that's continuing to slow and not growing very fast. And so I think what you're seeing is there's less demand for goods, in particular from Russia and Saudi Arabia to China. And so this is a way for Saudi Arabia and, and Russia to beef up their fiscal efforts, Russia with their war, right? And everything that's going on there with Ukraine, which needs to end quickly. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, they also get a lot of their revenue, tax revenue or the revenue the government's going to spend, right? From these oil severance taxes. And so this is a way for them to keep prices higher than otherwise and then allow for them to spend more throughout the process. But it's going to influence America, right? It's going to influence our prices. Gas prices will keep going up. We'll also see that this will bring up the headline inflationary rates as well. So it's another reason why I'm still skeptical that we should be um, having any sort of, not having the Fed um, they have detractionary policy, especially reducing their balance sheet. Um, and the higher, this is a, the Economist article, a higher global oil price will help Russia pay for its war. So that is another key indicator to this. So it's kind of like, okay, Saudi Arabia is going to help out their budget. Uh, Russia is going to help out with their budget. They're being influenced by what's happening in China, right? Uh, because of less demand there. And this is going to influence the West because, you know, we're going to have higher oil prices and things of that nature to slow us down. And so that these are a lot of factors that we really need to make sure that we're looking at. And oil is such an important part of our daily lives. And it's another part of like the green energy agenda, right? Take us in the wrong direction uh, on wind and solar and unreliable sources of energy when we really need to be thinking about how do we get more oil here? How do we have more natural gas and do it in a safe way? And ultimately nuclear, right? That's ultimately where I think we need to go at some point. But we're, we're going to be dependent on oil and gas for a long time. The second big thing on the national front, we talked about the jobs report from last week. The unemployment rate ticked up to 3.8%. Inflationary rates have been coming down some. And so there's a, an article talking about why higher unemployment is good news now. A looser labor market is necessary for inflation to go down and, and stay down. And it talks about how you have the inflate, the unemployment rate starting to tick up now. Some have payrolls, like the jobs that are being created are going down. Gross domestic product is also slow, as I've been talking a lot about, you know, especially last week. And, and But I think what this gets wrong, though, is it's trying to have a trade-off between unemployment and inflation. And this is what's been called in economics for a long time, named after the economists who came up with it, the Phillips curve, which basically there's a trade-off between the unemployment rate or economic output and inflation rate. So when you have a lower in inflation, you're going to have higher unemployment or higher unemployment is going to create lower inflation. And, and, and you have this trade-off going on. And, and basically Milton Friedman, right? One of my favorite economists, this was what his Nobel prize was really about to say, look, there's not a trade-off that over time, it's more of a flat curve. There's not an upward sloping curve. It's more just a vertical curve between uh, inflation and unemployment. So you can have different inflation rates based on the same unemployment rate, right? Because it's really about the Fed. It's about 
what's going on with the money supply and the economy, the monetary base is the you know the high powered money is what I like to look at, and that's another reason why we need the 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 Fed to make sure that it's not you know it's still pushing on the brake here. It's reducing its balance sheet. We might not need to see interest rates go up that much more. It's already to five point five percent is their overnight lending rate, their federal funds target rate. But I do think that it probably will go closer to six before the cycle is over with. And I, we do need to see their balance sheet being cut because it's distorting so many things in the marketplace. And, and ultimately, we're seeing that employment rate you know, go up because more people have been entering the labor force recently. But we still have four million that have dropped out since pre-pandemic. So there's a lot of slack, I think, in the labor market it has been for a while. So when this stumbling effect happens of job losses and everything else, the employment rate is going to tick up quickly. And we're going to have just at the same time that more people are entering the labor market. This is going to be a bad scenario. And it's one that we've been talking about. For, for a while. There's a couple of other things I just want to hit on real quickly for the national front. There's a good Wall Street Journal article about Merkel's trade trouble will continue. The U.S. trade deficit remains far wider than it was before the pandemic, even with the tariffs and everything else. There's a trade surplus with services, but goods, as we keep buying more goods from other places, that is a larger and larger deficit, which is driving the U.S. trade deficit higher. Um, and there's another article in the opinion piece um, by the editorial board, Trump's real, Trump's real trade record. His tariffs haven't cut the trade deficit. They merely shifted it. And that's what I've been talking about, right? Is that you can see, and there's a, a, a good post here, a good picture, that a good chart that shows what's going on here. And I'll put that on the show notes page. But basically, even when you had the tariffs put in place in 2017, 2018, some in 2019 by the Trump administration, which I was fighting back against these when I was there, but you did have a decline a little bit in the trade deficit with China. At the same time, you had the trade deficit with the rest of the world increase because what happened was is we purchased more from Mexico, we purchased more from Vietnam and other places because you're not producing all these things right away, uh, if ever. And, and we have other problems we need to deal with, like the high cost of corporate taxes, high cost of regulations, um, other impediments here domestically that we need to take care of if we're really wanting to produce more here instead of tariffs and other higher costs and higher taxes on other people. So that's something else that we really need to you know look at as we as we move forward. Um, and the state front, uh, Dan Mitchell, who's a good friend, he has his blog, The International Liberty, Restraining Government in America and Around the World. DanielJMitchell.wordpress.com is where you can find that. But he has a good piece, Is Iowa Becoming the Florida of the North? That was out on September 5th. And basically he talks about a lot of the work that I've been doing with John Hendrickson on the conservative Iowa budget. And, and, and there's a lot of proof that the fiscal conservatism works, which is a recent article that I wrote with John, um, talking about the, the sustainable budgeting that they've been doing allows for them to have tax reform, school choice, and other things. And so I think this is a good model that we need to keep pressing forward with. I know I'm working with the Americans for Tax Reform to release the budget project that should be coming out in the next week or so that looks at every state, how they should be limiting spending to no more than population growth plus inflation. And they should be doing this each and every year and actually spending much less than that because so many are already spending well above that. And that will allow for taxes to be lower and more prosperity overall. And last, Finally, there's a good article in The Economist, How Will Politicians Escape Enormous Public Debts? We're seeing public debts soar across the globe. And this is another case of that. Um, federal government's, you know, 2.3 trillion. We're at almost 33 trillion. That was for the deficit. That's what expected this year. Looks like we're going to have more across the G7s, where many of the rich countries have more than 100% net to GDP ratio. Ours is at 120% here in the United States. We're seeing interest rates go up. I think we're going to have more inflationary pressure because the Congress isn't going to cut spending. But at the end of the day, that's where it comes down to. We've got to get back to restraining spending. or not even back to. We need to get to restraining spending because we don't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem and we have an inflationary problem and we have an economic growth problem. All these crises are generated by government failure. We've got to correct these as soon as possible or we're going to end up in a worse shape over time. So that's what I have for you today. Until next time, let fuel prosper. <laughs>